Welcome to the Work, Wealth, and Travel podcast. I'm your host, Nicole, and this podcast is your guide to start creating a lifestyle by design. From entrepreneurship, money and finance, taxes and residencies, and everything in between, this show highlights the nuances of a true global citizen lifestyle. Let's dive in. Welcome back to another episode of the Work, Wealth, and Travel podcast. So in today's episode, I'm going to be talking about some of the challenges and difficulties in the whatever you want to call it, whether it be traveling, digital nomad, global citizen life, some of the struggles that I have faced in this lifestyle. And none of these are extraordinary struggles that would make me want to leave or change this lifestyle. But online, especially on social media, we really see the nomadic lifestyle very glamorized and we see all the highlights and only the highlights. And so I don't need to talk about that because we all know what those highlights are and the amazing parts of this lifestyle. But to every highlight, there is also a downfall. In today's episode, I'm going to be diving into what some of those downfalls are and what they have looked like for me. If you live this lifestyle, perhaps you can relate. And if you are thinking about wanting to live this lifestyle and it's something that might be in the cards for you in the future, or you're starting your nomadic journey, then these are some really good things to consider before starting out and figuring out which style of nomad, which type of travel is going to resonate the best with you. The first one is such a conundrum and there is really no way to get around this because it's kind of a damned if you do, damned if you don't situation. And that is the length of the stay. So this is very different for every individual person. But for me in particular, I find it is difficult to stay somewhere for longer than a few weeks. I get such itchy feet and I get kind of restless. I know that there's so much more to discover, especially if it's not a big city. Right now, for example, we are at the beach and we've been here for almost one month. It'll be one month in total by the time we leave. And it was... It's only a month, so it's not a long time. It's been such a great stay here. But we, you know, last summer we were traveling in Eastern Europe and we were every single week in a new Airbnb, a new city, sometimes a new country. Every week it was somewhere new. And so that was really fast travel, especially when you have a business online and you're growing things for yourself and things are moving and shaking. It can be a lot of things going on. One week was definitely too too little. And then one month seems like a good amount of time. So we'll stay somewhere for one month. But by like the two and a half, three week mark, I start getting very itchy feet. And I start thinking, okay, where's next? Where are we going? A month is almost too long. But then there is the conundrum where at the exact same time, a month is not that long at all. And I still don't know all of the grocery stores around me and the cafes around me. And this is prevalent, especially in the first week or two when arriving in a new destination. I don't know even where to get groceries or where to go eat or the cafes that are good to work out with good Wi-Fi or any of the things because usually I've never been there before. That's something that you really get after staying somewhere for 
and living somewhere for multiple months, if not much, much longer. It's kind of a damned if you do, damned if you don't situation where I get such itchy feet and I want to be somewhere new and it's just so fun to explore new places. Of course it is in this lifestyle. But then at the same time, the flip side of that coin is that I don't know any of the places to go or anything to do or even any of the people. And so that brings me to the next point, which can sometimes be difficult, especially when you move around so often. For me, usually it is every month in a new Airbnb, a new place, new hotel, whatever it may be, a new city. So the friend aspect and getting to know others. Now, we have met some really great people and usually they are not locals. They're usually also either travelers or foreigners who live in that city. And we've met some really cool people, but it's not always easy. Never once have I had a huge group of friends whenever we are traveling somewhere, which is fine because I like to be alone. I like to relax and chill. I like to be on my computer and working, learning new things, doing new things. I'm not the type of person who needs to be with people 24-7, but I will say that it can be difficult sometimes when you don't have close friends, family, whatever it may be around you. But some tips that I have to mitigate this or to even just find some friends as you are traveling. Some tips that I would have is, of course, the Facebook group when you're going, especially if it's a capital city, but to any big city, there is likely an expat in name the city. You can Facebook these groups and then from there, you can connect. I have an intro post that I actually just saved to my notes with a photo. And so I just use the same intro post kind of introducing me and my partner and where we're from and that we work online and we'd love to meet with other nomads and entrepreneurs and kind of just a little bit more about us. And definitely not everyone that comments is somebody that I would probably want to meet up with, but there are quite a few cool people usually who will comment and then I'll message them. But another tip is if you are in the Facebook group, try to find the WhatsApp group and join the WhatsApp group for that city. And that is really where things will take off more so than the Facebook group. It's usually less people, of course, in the WhatsApp group, but more quality of people who actually want to hang out and want to do things and want to, you know, do yoga or go to cafes or go to bars or do co-working or whatever it may be, especially now WhatsApp has communities. So it's really easy to segment within, let's say like expats in Santiago. It's really easy to segment and have 10 other groups within that group. So that's a feature that I really like. I also have my own community on WhatsApp and Telegram if you're interested in joining and talking about all things diversified, global citizens, second residencies, passport, banking, business options, all the things that I talk about on my YouTube channel, then you can head to the description. I'll have the link for my WhatsApp and my Telegram groups there. And if you are interested in those topics, check out my YouTube because that is where I talk about all of those topics, go into so much more detail than I do typically on the podcast and really educate 
people on what it means and what it looks like and how you can get started on your global citizen journey. The next difficulty when it comes to this life, and if you have lived this life even for a short amount of time, you likely, very, very likely know the struggle, is accommodations. So I've definitely stayed in some really great places. I have also stayed in some places that are subpar. And it's really hard to judge by just booking an Airbnb, which is usually what we will stay in and what we will book for one month. If it's a good place, it has a kitchen, like all of the things. And it's nice to stay in a house or an apartment versus a hotel, which almost never has a kitchen or hostels don't really do hostels either. But yeah, so Airbnb is a great option for us in the way that we like to travel. However, what we do now, and it's not a foolproof, me foolproof method, but you can always message the host. So usually we'll say, do you have hot water and is the internet fast? Because in my experience of being in Airbnbs for the last almost two years traveling full-time, it has been very difficult to, either an Airbnb will likely have one or the other, and if it's a good Airbnb, it'll have both. But we've definitely stayed in many Airbnbs where it either did not have hot water or it didn't have good Wi-Fi. And a few of them actually didn't have either. So that is where Airbnb comes in and why you have paid the service fee for Airbnb. Because we will always reach out to them, message them. We've had to do this twice now, once in Turkey, once in Colombia. And both times, you know, they talk to us and then they talk to the host and they kind of figure out what the issue is. Both times they gave us our money back for the unused nights and they gave us a credit or they helped us find another place to stay in. Always recommend paying a little bit more, book with Airbnb. Don't try to do a deal off the app. I know there are some platforms that will do that and help you, but for me, it's so worth it. In my experience, staying in a hundred, I don't even know how many Airbnbs at this point to pay the fee because you don't know what the place is going to be like before you arrive. A lot of the time as well, the hosts think that they have good Wi-Fi or think that they have good water, hot water. Usually I find it's for the Wi-Fi. They think that they have fast Wi-Fi and I would assume that nobody else there has had to really work. Everyone else who has stayed there in the past or in the recent past has been able to have more of a holiday and maybe just needing some Wi-Fi for their phone, nothing major, but I'm uploading YouTube videos. I'm using a lot of bandwidth. So I need really good internet because everything I do is online. We've had quite a few instances. I would you would probably be surprised at how many where the host thinks that they have really good Wi-Fi and they say like, yes, it's great. And then we go and it's not as great as they thought, but they don't live there. So Unless one of their guests tells them, they don't really know the speed by just going and checking and not staying overnight or multiple nights. They don't really know the speed. So those are the two things that I personally look out for. Usually from the photos, you can see what's included in the kitchen. It's not always up to date, but you can see what's included in the kitchen if there is a kitchen. But the hot water and the Wi-Fi are really the ones that I need in order to function and to be a normal human wherever it is that we're staying. That sums up just a few of the less glamorous aspects of being a global citizen, a full-time traveler, and digital nomad, whichever one you resonate with, whichever one you go by. 
I can kind of go by all three of them at different times. But those are some of the struggles. And I would say the most prevalent struggles, of course, there are nuanced struggles. One for me, I actually bought a blender about a month ago because it was a, a portable one. The last year and a half, two years, it has been such a struggle to have my morning smoothie because I always love to have a smoothie in the morning when I wake up as my breakfast. And it is not always possible if you're living this nomad life, if you're living out of Airbnbs full-time, because most Airbnbs don't have a blender. There have been a few, I would say a handful of Airbnbs that do have a blender, which is great, but usually a blender and a toaster are the two things that most Airbnbs don't have. And I can understand that because most people don't really need to use those all the time. But for me, I love a smoothie and it is really difficult. We've been in Latin America for over a year now. It is really difficult to find a good smoothie place or even just any smoothie place, quite honestly. <laughs> if you're in a big city, maybe it's a bit easier, but the likelihood that it's going to be close to me, if there even is a good one, which I have not found too many, is very unlikely. That was a struggle for me. And of course, there's more nuanced struggles depending on who you are and what you like to do or cook or whatever that may look like. I heard of somebody recently in a video talking about how he likes to have all of his sauces in the fridge, his barbecue sauces. And so moving every month isn't really feasible for if that's what he wants. You know, that's something small that makes him happy. I totally resonated that with that because I was just nodding along like, yeah, I can totally understand you because I have the same struggles when it comes to my blender. And now I have a really compact portable blender, which is very exciting, but everything I own fits in one suitcase. And then I have my little backpack as my carry-on. And that is basically it. That can be a whole nother struggle for another day that I could dive into on packing and what that looks like for me and how I have gotten that down to a science. I hope you enjoyed this episode. Not to say anything negative about the travel lifestyle. It is a lifestyle that I love, but it is also, there's a few glaring things that really stand out like hot water and good Wi-Fi and making connections and knowing the area that really stood out. I hope if you're starting your journey or if you're thinking about starting your journey, you take these into consideration and figure out the best nomadic and travel lifestyle that works for you. Thank you for joining me in today's episode. Our next episode will be out this Wednesday. It's going to be our guest episode every single Wednesday. I will see you on Wednesday. You've just listened to the Work, Wealth, and Travel podcast. If anything from this episode resonated with you, I would appreciate if you share this podcast on your socials. And of course, be sure to tag me. And don't forget to leave a review on your favorite podcast platform. Thank you for joining me on this global citizen journey, and I'll see you in the next episode.